0: This morning, I want to once again read for you Matthew chapter 5, reading from verse 1 all the way to verse 12. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before them. Let's bow and we have a word of prayer. Father, I ask once again that you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your law. And I pray that your word will minister to our hearts this morning. And as we go through this season of the pandemic, We pray that this Beatitudes will become a source of comfort uh, to every one of us. So we commit this time of sharing now to you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We live in a world today that worships power and rejects anything that smells of weakness. But Jesus said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. I think this is one of the most difficult Beatitudes to lift out because many people have the idea that meekness is weakness. Someone once said this, meekness may get you to heaven, but it can't get you a promotion. (laughs) But if you work long enough in, in the corporate world, you will realize that the general philosophy that is out there is still this. If it is to be, it is up to me. Uh, unless I sound my horn, I wave my own flag, I promote my own worth, I'll never get anywhere in today's competitive world. But Jesus wants us to know this. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, Jesus is literally saying that the meek will ultimately get it all. Right? They shall inherit the earth. But how? Now, the word meekness uh, in the Greek pra'as. Actually, it's not weakness, it's not frailty, or, or it's, it's not fragile, it's not timid. But meekness is mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, or if you like, strength under control. And then blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who have mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit. Blessed are those who have their strength under control, for they shall inherit the earth. That word inherit in the Greek, pleronomio, actually means to receive, gain possession. They shall gain possession, receive the earth. Now, just think about the people whom the Bible describes as meek, and you will know that meekness cannot be weakness. Now, we're talking about men like Moses, uh, Abraham, David. We're talking about men like Paul, the apostle. We're talking about our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Do any of them seem weak to you? I mean, just ask ourselves, can you be weak and lead more than a million rebellious people through the desert for 40 long years like Moses did? Can you be weak and become the father of faith like Abraham? Can we be weak and still become the greatest king that Israel has ever known? Can you be weak and become the greatest missionary in the New Testament? Can you be weak and still reign as King of kings and Lord of lords like our Lord Jesus Christ? So, it, so meekness cannot be weakness. So, what then is meekness? The Greek word uh, translated as meek here is praas. It is a familiar word during the time of our Lord Jesus. It is, it is a word that is commonly used by three groups of people. And let me outline for you and you'll help us unpack the meaning of this word. Now, the three groups of people that uses the word "mic" a lot would be doctors is one. One group would be doctors. Doctors use it to actually denote a soothing medicine. Now, when a a, a patient is wrestling or struggling over a fever, a doctor would actually give him a soothing medicine. They call it meek, to to calm him down and to bring him relief. So that's what meekness does. It It calms a person down. It brings relief. A second group of people that will use this word commonly would be sailors. Sailors use it to describe a gentle breeze. Now, if you have ever been exhausted, by the hot afternoon sun, and then suddenly a, a, a gentle breeze comes blowing in, you will immediately experience the refreshing that, that that breeze can bring. Like all of us who live in Western Australia, we know during summertime when our heat climbs all the way up to 40 degrees Celsius, you know how refreshing it is when a cooling breeze comes blowing in from, from the sea. Isn't that right? You know, and that's what the word meek actually means means something refreshing. Uh, the third group of people that use this word would be farmers. Farmers use this word to, de- to describe the breaking in of a young horse. Now, we all know every horse must be broken in before it can be useful. Now, unless that horse is broken in, has its will submitted, it will not allow anyone to ride it. Now, when you look at these three pictures again, medicine, wind, Horse. What do you have in common in these three things? Basically, it's power. See, medicine has a power to heal. Wind has a power to refresh. A horse has a power to work. But you must remember this. A proper dosage of medicine can heal, but an overdose can kill. A gentle breeze will bring refreshing, but a typhoon will bring destruction. A broken horse can work but a willful horse can be dangerous. All three has power, but only when that power comes under control, then it becomes useful. See, and that's what meekness is. Meekness is power under control. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, let me put some flesh and bones to what meekness look like. Uh, So let's look at some meek people. Let's look at meekness in action uh, from the Bible. The first person I would think about would be Abraham. When God first called Abraham in Genesis 12, God told him, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and then go to the land that I've given you. And when Abraham left the earth of Chaldees, Abraham believed God and Abraham obeyed God. and He left the earth of Chaldees. But one thing he did was he took his nephew, Lot, with him. Now that was a good idea, but it was not a God idea because God actually told him, you got to leave your country, your people, and even your father's household and then go to the land that I will show you. But Abraham, because he loved his nephew so much, decided to bring Lot along. Good idea but not a God idea. And before you know it, not long after they did that, this, the disagreement begin to arise between, between them. You look at Genesis 13 verse 7. The scripture tells us this. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. Now, so if they had a quarrel, if you were Abraham, what would you do? Now, as the older person, Abraham had every right to exercise power over Lot. Okay, but he kept his power under control. Abraham had every right to just ask Lot to leave. But Abraham did not do that. Instead of pursuing his rights, Abraham chose meekness instead. So you look at Genesis 13, verse 8 and verse 9. Listen to this. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me Or between your husband and mine. For we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. In other words, what's happening here? What's happening here is Abraham is literally saying to his nephew, Lord, you can have first go. You can have first choice. How many of us would have the guts and the character to actually do that? See, to give others first go at what is rightfully ours. Well, we have that faith to trust God enough to actually feel secure in Him and actually allow other people to have first choice. And that's what meekness really is. It's the ability to trust God's goodness, God's control in any given situation. Abraham was so submitted to God, therefore he was not afraid to submit to Lot, even though he he don't have to. Abraham knew that his own inheritance is secure in the Lord. And so he's not afraid of Lot taking away that which belongs to him. Abraham had power, but it was power under control. He was meek towards God. and, And God kept kept his promise and actually caused him to literally inherit the earth. And that's what's happening today. Not just Abraham, but all through the generation, you find the Jewish people literally inheriting the earth. So that's Abraham. Beautiful picture of meekness. Here's another one. David. King David is another powerful picture of meekness. Now, we all know that David was a great warrior, but his greatest victories was not wrought with his hands. They were actually in his heart. His greatest victories are fought in his heart. After he fell out with King Saul, if you remember the story, David actually went into hiding in the wilderness. He became a fugitive, running away from a deranged King Saul. They was all out to destroy him. And then you find this, an incident in 1 Samuel 24. King Saul stumbled into a cave that David and his men were hiding. King Saul actually went into that cave to try and ease himself. You know, so if I can put it this way, he was literally caught with his pants down. You know, and, and, and he was doing his, his business and he didn't know that David was actually there. And at that moment, how many of you know, David could have killed him. David had the opportunity to put an end to his enemy. He could have taken revenge on King Saul at that moment. A King Saul that has actually made him a fugitive in the wilderness. He could have just killed King Saul at that moment. But did he? No. Instead of cutting off King Saul's head, David quietly cut off a piece of his garment just to let him know that I could have destroyed you, but I chose not to. David had the power to destroy Saul, but he kept that power under control. And that's what meekness is all about. I'll give you one more example. Think about our Lord Jesus Christ. I think the greatest example of meekness is found in the one who said, I am meek and lowly at heart. Isaiah 53 verse 7, describing uh, our Lord Jesus said, He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. You know, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we all know Jesus could have called down a legion of angels. He had the power to do that and destroy them all in the flesh. But instead, he chose to take time to heal the soldier uh, whose ears were cut off by, his, by, by, by Peter. Now, that is meekness, power under control. At a time when he should be most worried about his own safety, Jesus actually stopped everything. And take the time to heal the the soldier. That is meekness, power under control. And remember this, meekness can only be seen when I'm right. And I actually have the power to hurt someone who is wrong, but I choose not to. I choose to keep my power under control. And that's who our Lord Jesus is. Again and again. We see him as the one who is meek and lowly in heart. So we see examples of meekness being played out all through the scriptures, all the way from Abraham to King David to our Lord Jesus. Now, let's now apply it to ourselves. How do I know if I have meekness in me? Uh, Here are a few telltale signs. Number one is this. Watch the way we release our anger. You no, know, the way in which we express our anger is very, very telling. A man of meekness does not just blow up and, and just explode. If you find yourself having explosive anger, very likely you would need to let the Holy Spirit work this beatitude, this value into your life. You see, anyone can be angry, but to be angry at the right person in the right way, at the right time, for the right reason, it's not easy. It requires a spirit of meekness. You know, some people tell me, you know, that it's okay. I just blow up and then after that, it's all over. But think about that. I just blow up and then it's all over. But isn't that what dynamite does? It blows up and then it's over. But just look at all the damage they are left behind. See, the greatest enemy to meekness is impatience. And that is why Psalms thirty-seven thirty-four says this, hope in the Lord and keep his ways and he will exhort you to inherit the land. Hope in the Lord, wait upon the Lord. You know, be patient before God and keep his ways. And God is the one who exhorts us to inherit the land. You see, the meek person, does not fret or fight. He submits and he waits, knowing that God's timing is perfect. Our King David had every right to the throne of Israel. Why? Because Samuel already anointed him and declared that he is the chosen one. But he never once wrestled for it. Between the time he was anointed until the time he actually ascended the throne, there were many years in between. But David waited for God's timing. He trusted in God's will. He believed in the sovereignty of God. God is in control. I never need to fight or wrestle and fret. Never. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, the wise man said, better a patient man than a a warrior. A man who controls his temple than a man who can take a city. Patience. Better is a patient man. Patience is what helps us to keep our power under control. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says, Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. You know, when a city has walls, the enemy cannot just come in and go out. Now, in the same way, you know, if we have self-control, it is a wall that actually protects us. See, and so that things do not just come and go and we do not just react to everything. See, self-control, that is what helps us to have power under control. Patience, self-control, they are necessary to develop a heart of meekness. Now, when we allow our passions to run wild, then the damage can be irreparable. I like the story that was told about a little boy who had a very bad temper. So the dad really wanted to, to give him an object lesson. So this is what the father did. The father actually gave this boy a pack of nails and a hammer. And this is what the father said to the boy. He says, Son, whenever you lose your temple, this is what I want you to do. Take one nail, go to the backyard, and hammer it into the, the backyard fence. And remind yourself, that's I lost my temple. See, and that's what the boy did. By the end of the first day, he already had thirty-seven nails in the fence. He just He's just such an angry, impatient boy. And then as time goes on, he became more conscious of what is going on. And over time, the numbers begin to dwindle down. And then he discovered that it was actually easier to hold his temper than to have to keep driving those nails into the fence. And finally, the the day came when he did not hammer a single nail into the fence that day. He was so proud. He went to his dad and told the dad, I've never, I didn't even have one nail today. And the dad said to him, okay, from this day on, every time you manage to control your temple, you can remove one nail from the fence. And from that day on, the boy began to control his temple and he started removing uh, nails from the fence. And the day came, when he could walk up to his dad and actually said to the dad, I remove every single nail on that fence. And at that moment, the dad took him by the hand and said, show me. And so he took him to the back of the fence and all the nails were gone. And then the dad said to him, said, son, you have done well, but look at all the holes in the fence. This fence will never be the same. You know, when we say things in anger, they leave a scar just like all these holes. You know, you can put a knife into a person and no matter how many times you say, I'm sorry, the wound will still be there. And that's so true, isn't it, brothers and sisters? That every time we explode, every time we say those unkind words, every time we use the words that tear down and destroys people's hearts and minds, we can say Sorry but the damage, the scar, they remain. And therefore, it's so important that we watch how we manage our anger. And what it takes is a spirit of meekness. And it's a very telltale sign. The way we express our anger is a telltale sign of the presence or the absence of meekness. Here's a second thing you can think about. It's our reception of God's Word the way in which we respond to the Word of God is also an indication of where we stand when it comes to meekness. James chapter 1, verse 22, the Apostle James says, Therefore, get rid of all moral fields and the evil that is so prevalent and receive with meekness the Word that is planted in you which can save you. The man of meekness submits to the Word of God and receives it gladly with a pure heart. If you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 12, after King David's sin with Bathsheba, God sent the prophet Nathan to confront him with his murder and his adultery. And what Nathan did, because he recognized that the king had authority over him, Nathan did not just go ahead and rebuke the, the king, but what he did was he told this story Okay, it's a long story about a rich man who stole the poor man's only lamb. And then in the end, David, without even realizing that he was the person, was, got so angry with the rich man. And it was at that point that David turned to the king and actually said that you are that man. And you to notice, the moment Nathan told the king, you are that man, King David at that point, he could easily just get the order to have Nathan's execution carried out at that point. But you know what? David has such a heart of meekness, he recognized his own sinfulness immediately and he received God's word meekly into his heart. And it was at that point, without making excuses, without arguing, without defending himself, David said, I have sinned against the Lord. King David had poverty of spirit. He was not afraid to mourn like the first two Beatitudes says. And instead, he turned around because of the heart of meekness. And brothers and sisters, it takes meekness to actually realize and to be able to respond when God convicts us. Okay, and the third is our reaction to disagreement. This is a huge indicator, our reaction to disagreement. Another test of meekness is how we react to people who disagree with us or how we respond to people who don't see our point of view. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and 25 says this, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to knowledge of the truth. You see, without meekness, it is possible to win an argument and actually lose a friend. Some of us here, we are like that. You know, we just cannot resist a good argument. We just have to be right all the time. We have to speak our mind all the time. And we are so fast to actually draw our gun. And because we are so good with words, because we can talk so loudly and we can talk so fast, our opponents don't even have a chance to respond. And if we can't out-talk them, we just spit at them, you know. And this is what we do. And by the time we finish, our opponents don't even know whether they are coming or going. And we always end up winning the argument. But we could lose many, many friends, you see. And it is a clear sign that we lack A heart of meekness. You know, there was a lady that came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, you know, my talent is to speak my mind. First thing the pastor said to her was, I'm sure God wouldn't mind if you bury that talent. You know, we can exercise power through our words, but let it be power under control. That's meekness. It is a mark of maturity when we realize that God can bless the people who disagree with us, even pre-believers, you see? And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Listen to this. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And what the Apostle Peter is teaching us here is don't hammer the pre-believers over, over their head with, with our Bibles, but in meekness and humility, we tell them the reason for the hope that is in us. We are supposed to be witnesses, not prosecutors, you see. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So when there's disagreement, we choose to submit and we cultivate the fruit of meekness rather than to fight and get our own ways all the time. You know, I, I love the, the mental picture that... Uh, let, let me paint this mental picture for you of meekness. I think meekness is like water flowing. It's like water. It flows naturally to a lowest place. You know, and it, it refreshes all of creation as the water goes down the stream, right? It goes around every obstacle. It flows gently. But remember this. In the battle between the stream and the rocks, we all know the stream ultimately wins, right? It is always the water that wears down the rock and not the other way around. Isn't that true? And meekness is like that water. It flows and it bends and it goes around. But in the end, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You know, you inherit something only when someone dies and leave you an inheritance, right? But in this case, It is we who die. We die to ourselves so that we might grow in meekness. We die to ourselves so that all that is in the kingdom may belong to us. And as we grow in meekness, we will share in the rich inheritance of Christ. We die to the need to assert ourselves all the time. We die to the need to impress others. We no longer need to be right all the time so that we can feel secure in ourselves. We just know that you know God has everything under His control. And let me um, really drill, drill this down for you. I think meekness really begins when we put our trust in God. Let me say it again. Meekness begins when we put our trust in God. And because we trust Him, We can surrender all our angst, our frustration, our impatience, our anxieties, our desires, our defeats, even our victories. We can surrender all that to God. And then we trust His timing. And we wait upon the Lord to work things out for us. We stop fighting so hard for ourselves because we know that God is our vindicator. God is our defender. He is the one who will fight for us. This is the the root of meekness. When you are meek, you seek nothing for yourself. And when you seek nothing for yourself, God gives you all things. Meekness means power under control, gentleness of spirit, mildness of disposition. And when you can control yourself, when you had that gentleness of spirit we can control ourselves everything belongs to us because when we the, the hardest person to rule over is not other people the hardest person to rule over is ourselves and when we can rule over ourselves we are truly a king in our own right it is power under control you know and if you ask me can me can a meek person really change the world The answer is yes. You just think about all these men of God that we, we talk about. They are described as meek people. Abraham, David, our Lord Jesus. Think about Mother Teresa. Mother, the late Mother Teresa, she commands no army, she sits in no parliament, she is not rich, she has no power. But when she speaks, the world listens. She has no power, but she had authority. When she speaks, kings and governments will listen. She has an authority that actually comes out of a life of meekness and self-sacrifice. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones summarized it so beautifully in his commentary uh, on the Beatitudes when he said this, meekness is essentially having a true view of oneself, expressing itself in attitudes and conduct with respect towards others. The man who is truly meek, is the one who is truly amazed that God and man can think of him as well as they do and treat him as well as they do. And this makes him gentle, humble, sensitive, patient to, in all of his dealings with other people. And these are the ones who will inherit the earth because God is with them. I, I leave you with Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, where we had such a description of the one that we must all look to when it comes to meekness. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said to us in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For I'm weak and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, this is who our master is, and this is who we must become. One who is meek and lowly at heart. One who is gentle in spirit, mild in disposition, one who has power under control. May the Lord make every one of us like Jesus, meek and lowly at heart, because blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's bow and we have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. And you know, Wherever you are, in your living rooms, in your, in your hall, as you watch this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that blessed are those who are meek because you shall inherit the earth. Our Lord Jesus is one who models that for us. And because you are so submitted to his Father in heaven, in the end, God exalted him. Because he was willing to lay aside all that he had to serve us, God in turn lifted him up. And God put all the earth and gave it to him. In the same way, brothers and sisters, may the Lord give us that spirit of meekness. And I pray for you this morning, wherever you may be watching from, whether in Perth or anywhere else, that this, today, if you would just say, God, I put down my angst. I surrender my frustration. I take my anger and I give it to you. And because you know why? God is in control of your life. Meekness begin when you truly, truly trust God. I don't know what you're going through right now in your life. There could be situations that you're waiting for God to break through. There could be people who frustrates you. There could be circumstances that really bring angst into your heart. But I want you to know that if you are willing to trust God and in meekness of heart, surrender all these things to God, then God will be your defender. He will be your vindicator. and Would you turn your situation to Him right now as I pray for you? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as your people turn to you and trust you, as we trust your timing, we trust your sovereignty, I pray, God, that you will intervene in their circumstances and their situation. God, you will be their defender. You will be their vindicator. God, as they surrender their frustrations, their anger, their angst to you, intervene in their situation. And God, you turn things around so that they know, they truly understand you are in control. So Lord Jesus, would you come and just intervene in the situations our people are going through. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that as we go through the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes will go through us. Lord, may you continue to work that values of the kingdom into our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray that you help us raise a church where your people are poor in spirit, where we recognize our own spiritual poverty that without you, we can do nothing. And then, God, when we recognize our own spiritual poverty, we are willing to mourn. We are willing to be broken by the things that breaks your heart. And God, as we repent and turn away from these things, God, you in turn will give us a spirit of meekness and then we are able to ride, come above our situations and circumstances, not because we're fighting for ourselves, but because you fight for us. Because we are willing to trust you. We are willing to to trust your timing. We are willing to let you be our defender. God, you will turn things around. And in the end, We will inherit everything that you want us to inherit. So come, Lord Jesus, and do that work. Holy Spirit, work those values into our church and into our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen.